0: Welcome to Blackbird, episode number 18. My name is James, and today I am thrilled to be joined by Corey DeVos of Integral Life, Corey is a proponent of integral theory, which you will remember from the episode with Brian O'Doherty. And uh, I would recommend going back and listening to that episode with Brian um, either before or after this interview. Um, And I'll make sure to put a link to it in the podcast show notes. Additionally, I'll put some notes um, and maybe an infographic or something that you can follow along with, um, because if you'll recall, Integral can be a little bit complicated, especially to new folks to it. Um, It's definitely a subject that I'm interested in right now, so I will probably be uh, featuring other Integral practitioners, theorists, commentators, etc. on the show, so uh, buckle up for that. Um, And again, if if you like it, if you don't like it, if you have problems or arguments, um, questions, etc. then please feel free to email them to me. You can email me at blackbird at substack.com. Um, also you can DM me on Twitter at James LJ. All right. And with all that being said, here is my interview with Corey DeVos. All right, Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So, um, you're, your name came up after my interview with Brian O'Doherty um, as sort of a, I guess, an authority in the in the integral space. Um, you're kind of a leader. Uh, you run a website or a couple, and you're an integral artist, which I'd love to get into. Um, but first, why don't you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself so that the audience knows who we're hearing from.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, my name is Corey DeVos. Uh, I am the editor-in-chief of IntegralLife.com. Uh, which is a an organization that was founded by Ken Wilber, who is sort of a head honcho in integral land, he's sort of um, the most well known integral philosopher out there. And a lot of uh, the work that we do is based on his work his integral framework. Um, I've been working with Ken and with the organization uh, for the last, geez, 18 years, Um, I got involved uh, way back in 2003, uh, which is when we we first launched our very first website, which was called uh, Integral Naked back then, because we had this sort of adolescent sense of humor at the time. Um, And then that matured into our current organization, which is called Integral Life. And yeah, this has been basically where I've spent the vast majority of my adult life uh, here in Integral Land, um, trying to create platforms and resources for people who are you know, just getting into this material for the first time, uh, as well as for the people who've been here for a while and are really trying to find ways to, you know, put more meat on the bones and um, flourish as much as they can within sort of the integral territory.
0: Awesome, thanks. Uh, so, um, I don't want to I don't want to rehash what Brian and I went over too much. Um, we went yeah. all the way up through the through the colors, um, but I would love to know from you, like, what you think. Uh, As just sort of a review, what are like the most important concepts from integral theory that the audience should remember?
1: Yeah, well, we kind of have a few different heuristics for this, Um, a a couple different sort of shorthand phrases that we use. Um, One of which was a little more geeky is quadrants, levels, lines, states and types, those being sort of the main five elements of integral theory. And those are some fairly heavy lifting words. Uh, We can sort of, um, you know, get into each of those uh, if you want to. But I think a more sort of a simpler shorthand, at least in terms of how integral lands uh, in terms of our personal development, our ongoing sort of health and happiness and fulfillment and so forth. uh, We use another shorthand, which is called wake up, grow up, clean up, show up. Oh, good. Uh, And these are basically.
0: (laughs) That was one of my questions.
1: So I'm glad we're
0: we're covering it already. Good. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, the basic idea being that um, each of these four sort of buckets, these kind of categories, are different. methods of actually maturing as, as human beings. Um, so growing up refers to, you know, moving through these uh, stages of development, which I, I believe you just said, you talked to Brian about in your, in your last interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, waking up is actually sort of awakening to multiple states of consciousness that are available to us, which can be anything from sort of emotional states all the way up to, you know, the, the spiritual states that are described in a lot of the world's spiritual traditions. Um, Cleaning up refers to the idea of shadow work. So the idea that we have sort of these unknown sort of subjects within us that have been sort of split off from the rest of us, either through trauma or various challenges that we might experience through life. Um, One of the ways that we cope with those challenges is actually to kind of split off these pieces of ourselves, And the path of cleaning up is about reclaiming them. So sort of identifying, oh, okay, this is why I get so Triggered in this particular kind of situation, and why, you know, I can just all of a sudden be acting like a complete asshole. <laughs> right. And then the state kind of passes, and I'm like, oh, hmm, why was I such an asshole back then? Well, chances are something got activated in you that needs to be sort of reintegrated into the rest of your self system. Uh, and then the final leg is called showing up, which is basically look, we're doing all of this inner work. You know what I mean? We're doing all this work to grow up and to wake up and to clean up. Showing up is where this inner work, I think, kind of. Uh, sort of spills out um, into the rest of the world. So this is where all of the fruits of that work begin to, you know, land in your relationships, your career, your work in the world, your behaviors, your life decisions, uh, so forth and so on. So that's sort of the thing I like about Integral is it really, really does sort of
0: invite all of you to play. It seems like uh, that the wake up, grow up, clean up, show up, model um is also kind of uh holarchic. Like you can't really grow up until you've woken up and you can't really clean up until you've grown up. And you definitely can't show up until you've done that shadow work. But it's also ongoing. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, they they all hang together, I would say. I mean, um, you know, I think that there's some Ken often talks about some of the evidence out there saying how uh for example, if you're doing work with waking up, which often involves things like contemplative practice and meditation and mindfulness and things like that, there's apparently a lot of evidence that those um, practices can actually accelerate um, our growing up process. Now, I don't think we know whether or not the reverse is also true, whether or not people who are more grown up have an easier time waking up. I suspect that's true, but I'm not sure we have any you know, hard evidence about that. But I think what's going on here is, you know, at the very, very core of all four of these really is a very, very simple um, sort of mechanic of transformation. And that's something that uh, you know uh, Robert Keegan describes as subject becoming object. So we start to develop this capacity to look at ourselves, to make some piece of our subjective experience into an object of awareness. And this is actually the main mechanism behind all four of those. So when you're doing growing up work, typically what you're doing is you're looking at your own stage of development sort of as an object. And when you look at it as an object, that creates an opportunity or a space for a new kind of subject to sort of come online, right? And hopefully that new subject is coming from an incrementally higher perspective than the sort of view that you're you're looking at as an object in your awareness. Same thing with waking up. What we're doing with the waking up process is we are um, bringing awareness to, making object out of these multiple states of consciousness that we're always in. So that's like, on a very simple level, that's like the difference between being angry versus sort of being mindful of your anger, right? Um, whenever we get into sort of really, really, um, tense, sort of hyper aroused states, we tend to lose ourselves in those states, we, we lose the capacity to sort of see it clearly, and to therefore kind of see through it and see ourselves clearly. Um, and then the same thing for cleaning up, cleaning up is also a process of making these subjects into objects, but then taking that object of awareness and reintegrating it into your subject. So it's sort of fascinating that all of these different paths are using the same basic mechanic. Right. Of, of, of turning subject into object, but it's sort of applying them in different, you know, let's just say different sort of vectors in our development. We can think of growing up as sort of a vertical, um, you know, give it a vertical metaphor for it. We're kind of, kind of climbing a ladder in a certain kind of way, whereas, uh, you know, waking up, we might look as a horizontal development so we can uh, have access to these multiple states of experience, for example, no matter where we are in our developmental capacity so you know you can be at a pre-modern sort of brutish earlier stage of development and you're going to feel anger and you're going to express that anger in a particular way versus someone who's at a you know a later stage let's say a post-modern stage also feels a state of anger but they're going to interpret and express that anger in their own way Um, so how we wield these states of consciousness is going to change as we sort of develop up and down the growth hierarchies but you know, those states are always there. I think that's the basic understanding. The states are always there. You always have access to them.
0: I think it's a lot easier for, for me at least, um, as a not very introspective person to view the different, um, the different colors are, are the colors. Is that the, is that the same as the levels or is yeah. that, Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, and that's another that's that that gets me into another another thing that I actually brought up with Brian um that he didn't push back against but I have come to realize that actually the what I think about the levels might be different from what Ken and maybe you think about it too. So I'd like to I'd like to ask you about that in a second, but yeah, let me try cool. to keep my thoughts collected. Um <clears throat> and now I don't even remember remember what I was going to say. Uh I know. Let's get into, let's get into levels. So, oh, I I know what it is. I was as a not very introspective person. It's really easy for me to um, view like society as a certain Mm -hmm. level or um, you know, uh, wonder why, for instance, uh, all these green people all of a sudden want us to trust science, which Mm -hmm. uh, when they, but, but like when they're talking about science, they're talking more about, um, and, and I'm speaking specifically of the pandemic, of course, uh, mm-hmm. because that's all anybody's thinking about right now. Um, they want us to trust science, which is uh, more of an orange thing. But when they're talking about science, they're really more talking about like predictive models, not not like experimental scientific method science. And to me, predictive model um, just sounds a lot like prophecy when when you put it sure. in that when you put it in that context anyway, um, which is more of a blue thing. What is yep. it? What, what is that that's happening there that, that I'm perceiving anyway, uh, where it seems like the, the green person is using an orange concept to express like a blue uh, demand, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, this happens all all the time, Um, you know, and and I think part of it is, you know, it's symptomatic of the fact that the story of development is not one that has fully saturated our culture. I think that generally speaking, our culture relates to development as something that sort of happens, uh, you know, during your school years, throughout adolescence, maybe continues into college. But like once you become a grown up, you're just sort of you're a grown up now. And we don't really have this understanding that like, no, 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 this, this sort of, this is a process that, you know, if you engage with it, will take you through, you know, the rest of your lifetime, right? There are, there's always going to be sort of a greater whole or another higher level that you can aspire to, right? And it's always going to be there. So without this story of development, Um, which is something that Integral really brings into the picture in a very, I think, uh, cogent and coherent way. When we don't have that story of development, then basically it's like, especially in this postmodern age of Facebook and things like that, everything just kind of gets thrown against the wall, right? Mm. Like, for example, in politics land, it's like here are a thousand different political strategies, right? Some of them are going to be more effective than others, but some of them are going to be more or less effective you know, for particular stages of development. I mean, you know, I do a lot of talks these days about, um, um, you know, what's happening on, on sort of the, the, the liberal side of the woods and all, all this stuff about cancel culture and things like that. Well, you know, a lot of people tend to think of progressives, political progressives as being, you know, sort of green altitude, um, which is one of the higher, more mature sort of, uh, sort of developmental stages. And yet we see them, taking these strategies right of cancel culture for example that are oftentimes associated with more amber kind of rigid you know what i mean like um uh it's 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 sort of a classic pre-modern conservative strategy to deal with ideas and morals that you don't want to deal with you 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 cancel them right you burn the witches (laughs) you burn the beatles albums right and you destroy the, the the statues of the Buddha. I mean, this, is, this has been sort of, um, you know, cancel culture has been with us for a very, very long time. What's particularly, I think, disappointing about it is seeing progressives starting to, you know, embrace cancel culture because it is inherently an anti-progressive, illiberal strategy, right? So there's just a lot of confusion among people because I think that, You know, they don't actually have the understanding of of what is an appropriate strategy in order to meet sort of, you know, the challenges and in order to produce the results that you're looking for. I promise you, progressives, cancel culture is not going to result in a more progressive liberal society. It's going to do the exact opposite. Um, So, I mean, I, I don't know how much that answers your question, but, you know, it's basically just to say all of this is sort of being handed to us as, you know, this grab bag of different strategies that really come out of different levels. And we haven't until now had a good way to piece all of these things together. Um, And then there's another, I think, component to this too, which is, um, you know, when someone says something like trust the science, what they're really saying is trust this particular view (laughs) that I'm going to call science, Right. right? And oftentimes we associate that view as being more or less orange, but the reality is science, and spirituality exist at every stage of development. Mm, so there's a such sure. thing as red science, as amber science, as you know, sort of traditional religious science, for example. There's orange science, there's green science. And guess what, guys? There's teal and turquoise, uh, which are sort of the colors that we associate with integral stages of development. There are integral forms of science as well. And in fact, I think those integral forms of science are going to be what helps kind of clean up this mess for everyone else
0: when uh when i first joined the facebook group um the i think it, what's the name of the integral world integral integral I'm global like? integral global thank you uh i posed the question that libertarians um and i'm trying to i'm trying to not brand this as a libertarian podcast but that's not working very well so i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna say my my audience is mostly libertarians um, it's a question that libertarians get a lot uh, what distinguishes integral theory from a cult. You guys have like one one, kind of major leader. Um, With libertarians, that leader is for like the uninitiated, it's Ayn Rand, for the initiated, it's Murray Rothbard. And libertarians will appeal to Murray Rothbard's authority um, as if it's an argument. Uh, So I just wanted to pose the question. And just like with libertarians, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I got not attacked, but like the 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 top comments were uh, here. Read all of these articles, or did you even bother googling? You know yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I felt I felt right at home, to be honest, because it's exactly that's, that's what you get. That's what you get for asking nuanced questions on a
1: platform yeah. <laughs> on Facebook.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, it's it's heartening to know that even in integral circles, um, we do have this that same sort of just impulse uh, to, to, you know, jump on someone. And not only, so the more helpful people were like, here, read all these books, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, uh, okay, that's, that's fine. But like, I'm also still like on training wheels here. I haven't even, you know, I I, I haven't even gotten all the colors down. I was just um, right. using blue instead of Amber because I got the spiral dynamics, uh, confused with, uh, with Ken Wilber's, um, model. So, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, uh, but my, I guess my kind of question is, how are we not a cult? No, no, no. Oh, okay. you're not a, you're not a cult. Uh, and and that that's that's one thing that I have, uh, I've kind of just in the last you know month or so uh, come to realize that they're they're even in that integral global Facebook group. There's lots and lots of disagreement. Um, Tons. You've got no. you've got and and even more so than in the in the other groups that i kind of inhabit you know i I, it was really interesting to me to see posts coming from like a conservative bent and not even like you know what i i would consider like uh you know hillary clinton maybe um conservative to someone who's way on the left Mm -hmm. but this was like uh this was like trumpy stuff Hmm. um which is which is you know interesting to see in a group that is Um, I would consider integral inherently progressive because, you know, it's progressing from the, from the postmodern to what's next. Um,
1: I I like to think of it as post-progressive in in a sense. It's a,
0: it's a, you know, I, if I can,
1: can I riff on that just for a second? Yeah, please do. Because, you know, this sort of lands for me in terms of, you know, uh, what are my own sort of political identities and how do I describe them to people? You know, I often describe myself as an integral progressive, but that has, a very, I think, particular meaning that might be a little bit different than how we think of progressivism in the world, for example. Because I think that, you know, until you get to integral consciousness, the world is largely a winner-take-all food fight. It's my ideas or your ideas, right? One of us is right, the other one is wrong. And I think that when we begin to mature um, at these integral stages, we begin to understand these not as sort of um ideological opposites as much as uh, um, critical polarities that need to be reintegrated so for me you know progressive and conservative when we take it out of sort of the ideologies of these you know political groups the the particular constellation of the gop and the particular constellation of the dnc like let's let's kind of put that stuff aside for a second here and just look at pure political theory political philosophy i think most of us had an integral. At an integral stage of development would agree that an integral politics has to reconcile and integrate the very very important polarities that exist between something like progressive and conservative so you know for example when i describe myself as a progressive my progressivism often includes some awfully conservative sounding solutions right because i know that my progressivism you know all progressivism means from this space is I want new systems to replace old systems Mm -hmm. that aren't working for us anymore and are you know maybe a little bit obsolete because Jesus this world changes really really quickly but sometimes those new systems can appear to be conservative like for example one of my big progressive ideas to sort of create more unity within this nation is to reinstate the draft now I don't want to leave that hanging there Reinstate the draft, but, re, you know, convert it into a Peace Corps or National Guard-like service where we're taking white kids, black kids, poor kids, rich kids, men, women, and we're bringing them all together in service of something greater than themselves. This, to me, is is, is an ideal integral solution because you're actually serving both conservatism in the short term. You're actually giving people that sense of healthy nationalism that I think people are really, really craving in this country, Right and has been largely sort of eroded by, you know, multiple decades of globalism and things like that, you're serving that. You're saying, we're going to make a space for healthy nationalism and patriotism and this idea that, you know, you are part of something that is much, much larger than yourself. And you can derive all sorts of meaning and purpose from that while bringing us together. And interestingly enough, it creates more progressives in the long run because we know that one of the biggest... Accelerance of development is simply exposing yourself to people who think differently than you do. Right. Just exposing yourself Mm -hmm. to new perspectives is often enough to give you just a little bit of leverage to sort of, well, again, to make your subject into an object and say, Hey, have I, you know, do I really have this right? Or do I have some more, you know, growing up to do here? Um, So this is an example of, I think what what I'm going to call an integrally progressive solution that serves conservatism as much as it serves progressivism and i think you know sort of um ideas like that tend to be very very appealing to integral folks because we're able to again sort of integrate these polarities but leave sort of the the ideological crap behind you know what i mean
0: yeah uh that and you know obviously we'll probably quibble on the issues uh but um i i i am grasping where you're coming from on that which i like uh it does seem like at least the leadership like the leadership the bigger name integral thinkers Mm -hmm. are by and large kind of in that neoliberal democratic party and not the aoc bernie sanders democratic party but like the you know joe biden hillary clinton democratic party um Mm -hmm worldview. And it, and, you know, it goes back to the very, the, the very like beginning of this, where like Bill Clinton was endorsing the, endorsing Wilbur's work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's an integral like education organization. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, their, their entire like charter is based on the UN. Um, and then, you know, I mean, even, even in your podcast, uh, after the events of January 6th, you took it as a given that an insurrection happened. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't given event. How do we interpret this? It's given insurrection. How do we react to this? Um, Which I would take issue with. Uh, I don't think that that was an insurrection. I I think it was um, largely uh, just a bunch of people who got emotionally worked up and um, didn't, and weren't pushed back against by the cops at the, at the Capitol. And so, uh, they did what they could um and you know led by a couple of people who may or may not have been agents provocateur uh, but, but I don't want to get into that really um i guess that would be my 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 criticism my question is do do you think that that's true and do you think that it's an issue if it is i guess well do i think it's true i mean
1: yeah i i i do think it's largely mm-hmm. I don't wanna be sort of totalizing in my responses here because integral actually is a fairly rich field and there's a lot of people involved who disagree with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say that, you know, a lot of the most significant integral leaders uh, come from the boomer generation and they often have boomer generation views on things like geopolitics. And I also think there's another factor here, which is, you know, Integral is trying to emerge and trying to find more influence and trying to, um, you know, really find ways to make an impact in the world. However, you know, Integral is also emerging in a world that has certain qualities as it is, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when Ken's work really began to, uh, you know, Hit sort of a critical mass of popularity and people were really getting into it. The structure of the world was as such, right? This was during the Bill Clinton years. Uh, um, there was a lot of talk about this sort of third way politics. We were, you know, about halfway through the neoliberal paradigm, the economic paradigm that was handed to us by Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. This was an era where Democrats basically had to you know, sort of conform themselves to this neoliberal economic reality that they found themselves in. So that's where we started seeing sort of the more corporate Democrats and, you know, and the whole thing. Now, because of course you did. We were only 15, 20 years into the neoliberal project when this was happening. And, you gener- you know, these things generally come down the line in like 40, 50 year chunks and you kind of can't change horses midstream. It's very difficult to anyway. So I think Ken, to his credit, was sort of trying to find, you know, inroads where he could. And when he started seeing people, you know, like Bill Clinton, wow, the president of the United States is using my work in some capacity. (laughs) There is an opportunity to expand our influence here. And maybe that influence can grow to the point where we can start, you know, sort of reforming uh, some of these political parties along more integral lines. I can see how that was very, very appealing to ken during during those times however um you know if you look at ken's book uh, trump in the post-truth world for example he is deeply critical of democrats in fact these days <laughs> you know i do this ongoing series of, of discussions with him and uh-huh. and sometimes i have to like okay ken you know, let's let's lay off the left a little bit like what you know let's start shitting on the right over here because you know <laughs> well and they're, and they're, they're s- up to some stuff too um Um, So Ken's, I think political outlook has largely changed as the realities of our geopolitical situation, you know, it became more and more obvious that this is not sustainable and that this is kind of starting to crash around us. And in fact, Donald Trump is a symptom of that crashing around us. And Ken wanted us to pay closer attention, you know, not to like what's happening in the aquarium, but rather the water that we're all swimming in to begin with, you know, and I have to say, it's really hard for most people to to look at that water that actually requires a sort of developmental capacity to take a certain number of perspectives in order to see the water that you're swimming in. Um, So all of which is to say, yeah, I think, I think that's true that when integral was really sort of hitting its cadence, that was at a time when we were in full on sort of neoliberal land. Right. And so a lot of the integral political prescriptions reflected those realities. I think that's changing now as people are beginning to ask the question okay well what comes next
0: um what does what does truth look like to an integral person so like to to you know uh, the modern age i guess or orange the truth is what you can observe and to the mm-hmm. green stage it's like what mm-hmm. what truth is like what it means to me um, subjective. Mm-hmm. um where where does where does an integral worldview land on that
1: it's it's an awesome question because it's it's a fascinating question because it actually i think gets to the heart of what integral is and what it's trying to do as an technology so awesome awesome question um you know let me just say that when we first started talking about what is integral and really why integral I sort of came at this from more of a personal development angle you know that's where yeah. ideas like wake up grow up clean up show up that all works great for you know sort of my personal experience of integral um, but what where integral really really came from is this understanding that you know we live in a very very complex multi-dimensional world i think it's obvious to anyone who's paying attention <laughs> right which is why we have All of these different methodologies in order to make sense of our world, ourselves, our universe, and our place in it. So we've got physics and chemistry and systems theory, and we have cultural anthropology and archaeology, and we have relationship therapists and life coaches, and we have spiritual practitioners and religion and uh, psychology and entire schools of philosophy. We have all of these very, very different methodologies that we use in order to make sense of the world. And here's what happens when you only use one of those methodologies. It's sort of like the old cliche about the elephant, you know, like one guy, a whole bunch of blind men Mm -hmm. are, are, are basically feeling up an elephant trying to figure out what the hell this thing is. One person's holding onto a tail and he thinks the elephant's a snake. The other one's holding onto a leg and he thinks the elephant is a tree and the other one's holding onto a trunk, you know, it's, it's that old cliche. Mm-hmm. Integral becomes the process by which each of those blind men can actually share sort of their piece of the territory. And then we can put that all together into the image of an elephant. So this is where, you know, integral, another word for integral philosophy is integral methodological pluralism, which basically says, here are all these different ways that we have of making sense of reality. And none of these methods can be easily reduced to the other. You can't reduce, uh, you know, all of the work coming out of the field of psychology to quantum theory and physics, for example. These are two different domains. We wanna find ways to integrate both domains, but without saying, you know, we wanna keep them in their lanes, basically. So quantum physicists, you guys are doing a great job stay with quantum physics, stop try, trying to make claims about consciousness and spirituality and all of that. And the same for you guys, you know, you mystics over there who are on a meditation cushion all day, stop making claims and trying to push them down into the quantum fabric of the universe. It just doesn't really work that way. So I think integral becomes the the, the, the process by which we identify multiple truth claims and begin to weave them together into a more, uh, let's just say a meta-truth, a sort of a, a, um, a meta-methodological view that gives us a better sense of the overall elephant. And we begin to understand a little bit more clearly how all of these different sciences and all of these different um, avenues of generating knowledge, it all actually fits together and hangs together in a very, very cohesive way. Um, and that tells us something, I think, very, very interesting about our universe. It tells us that our universe is hanging together in a very cohesive and coherent and understandable and meaningful even way. So that's, that's, that's one approach at your question.
0: Is that, is that satisfying to you? Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Um, It's, and it's really cool seeing some of this stuff like come together, you know, like uh, as theoretical physicists and um, cosmologists and stuff study the universe, we're coming to see that more and more of what we thought to be orange true, uh, just ain't so. Yeah. Um, you know, with black holes and gravity and that sort of thing. And on the other hand, um, we're coming to new understandings of things like, like, like gender, for instance, like my, my personal experience of my gender, uh, regardless of what my genitalia say, mm-hmm. um, is really, it's, it's as important to me um, as, you know, what my genitalia are right. uh, and, uh, you know, and, and to, to like a doctor who needs to test my prostate for cancer. Um, that's one thing. But, you know, if I, if I experience life um, as a, a man or a woman or, or non-binary or, or, or whatever, uh, that's completely different from whether or not I have a prostate to test. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, being that gender is such a hot button issue right now, um, yeah. that's, 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 sort of where, that's sort of where my brain goes when I think about all this stuff. Um, I think orange probably sacrifices uh, epistemology for ontology. Their epistemology is just whatever is, is. Whereas green sacrifices ontology for epistemology. Um, whatever is doesn't matter because it's, it's just what I know. Right. Uh, so integrating those things well, is, is very important. Um, well, and if we can, if we can, you know, talk about your genitals for a little bit longer. here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'd love to.
1: That's my favorite topic. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's another one of those areas where I feel like integral offers just an enormous amount of liberation, right? In a, in a, in a fairly small package. Well, like, not talking about your genitals there, of course. <laughs> um, but you know, the idea, and I know you talked to Brian about the idea of quadrants, For example, the idea that we all have, you know, four basic irreducible dimensions to our experience, we have a, an upper left quadrant, which looks like consciousness, it's the, you know, the interior of the individual, we have the exterior of the individual, which is your body, your phenotype, etc. We have the interior of the collective, which looks like culture, and then we have the exterior of the collective, which looks like systems, for example. Now, this becomes, I think, really germane to the gender conversation because right away, right away, it suggests not sort of this single gender to, you know, to rule them all. (laughs) But it actually shows that we have at least, at least these four fairly independent dimensions to our gender. So there's my genitals, right? Then there's my actual, you know, my sexual orientation. Who am I actually attracted to? You know, regardless of my genitals, who am I attracted to? What is my sexual polarity? We know that some people tend to be more on the masculine side. Some people tend to be more on the feminine side. You have plenty of feminine men and you have plenty of masculine women. So it's not a one-to-one relationship between these. And then you look into the cultural sphere and you say, okay, there's all these gender roles that are available to us all of which are socially constructed and therefore we kind of can do whatever we want with them. And it's sort of exciting to see how every new generation defines their gender roles in very, very different ways. But even that doesn't happen in a vacuum. That also happens alongside, you know, sort of the lower right quadrant, like what level of technology, for example, are you living in gender? We experience gender differently in a social media dominated universe than we do, you know, than we did 100 years ago, for example, because sort of these different economic and social pressures create different, you know, um, advantages and disadvantages to different gender roles, for example. 100 years ago, it was very hard to be a masculine woman who prefers a sort of a, a, a more you know malish kind of gender role in culture that was almost impossible to achieve, but now it's like you 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 kind of can you know this is sort of um what i've I've begun calling sort of an intersectionality of perspective, which is a lot more interesting to me than what we're seeing on the left right now, which is an intersectionality of
0: identity yeah I love that yeah um I'd like to get into, for the last few minutes anyway, the into the more personal stuff because, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's much easier for me to look at society and and criticize it than it is for me to like do my own shadow work. Um, which, to me, like once you've kind of gotten a handle of what this stuff is, um, actually practicing it is even more important. Mm-hmm. Um, can I give
1: a real, a real quick caution there? Yeah.
0: Cause, I, cause I
1: hear by I, I want to give a real, just a very quick caution. It's a good idea. Generally, if you can, if you feel like you have the capacity to, to see if you can track simultaneously only because if you do have a shadow issue somewhere that will distort your perception of what you see in the world.
0: Yeah, I know. Right? Like, absolutely. It's a, uh, I, I, like you were saying earlier, you use the, you use the trigger word. Um, I find myself triggered all the time, like just uh, mostly politically. Um, mm-hmm. Although right now, you know, we live in a we live in a culture where culture and politics and you know just even your normal like what you read and eat are mm-hmm. kind of overlapping. Um, Curtis Yarvin, formerly known as Menchus Moldbug, a, a kind of right wing writer anyway he he says that we live in a total state where everything is is authoritarian and political and you either can uh go with that or you know or die basically or or mm. be shunned but it should be shunned i guess is, is better than die um so yeah i totally get what you're saying uh trying to kind of marry those two um it's just a I think for me and for a lot of people who kind of inhabit my my sort of headspace the uh I don't know what my enneagram is which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about for a second but uh like my my Myers-Briggs is ENTP and that NT that intuitive thinking um uh like direct direction I guess mm-hmm. is uh, where me and all of my confreres kind of go. We don't, we don't feel very well. We don't, we don't look inward very well. Uh, Mm -hmm. We, we think, and we, and we, and we project. Mm -hmm. So um, learning how to do that, like growing that muscle of introspection of shadow work of uh, you know, even just, even just like meditation and things like that is definitely going to be tougher for me and for probably a lot of my audience totally so i'd love to get i'd love to just get like pointers i guess maybe like a like how do you start on on that kind of thing (laughs) yeah
1: yeah totally no it's it's a great question and you know i'll 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 sort of preempt that by saying you know we're talking about sort of some of these different um typing systems that are out there you just mentioned myers-briggs yeah we can also talk about the enneagram um you know, sort of a, a homebrew typing mechanism that we sometimes use just to kind of communicate a ton of information in a very short amount of time, is actually using the four quadrants. Some oh, people are, are are sort of they natively orient to the upper left quadrant. So these are people like myself. I've I've got a very rich inner life. I always have. Right. That's that part has always come a little bit more easily to me. Um, it's actually in the lower left where I've had a lot of my challenges. Um, you know, really sort of a uh, connecting with people and getting over some of my own anxieties and social anxieties and all that. That's a lot of that is sort of in the lower left. Um, I also tend to be somewhat disorganized uh, in the lower right, but that's just part of my creative process. So I can, you know, I call myself an artist because it allows me to get away with the most stuff and, you know, be yeah. sloppy. Um, so, you know, you, on the other hand might be, and I'm not going to project this onto you, but you might be someone who primarily orients from the lower right quadrant. Like, Like, no, I need to know sort of how all this stuff fits together before I can embrace it enough to even take a a practice suggestion, even remotely seriously, because it's like, I need to know you've got rigor here and you. You've got some actual sort of academic legitimacy because why else would I trust you? Why else would I take that seriously? Other people might be coming from a lower left and they're starting purely from a relational point of view. I also know a lot of people who are upper right orienters and they're very sort of action item driven and they're very good at making checklists and checking those boxes and kind of going right through. So integral can look very, very different depending on which of these, you know, sort of types you might be coming from. And the really cool thing is I think we do a pretty good job of making room for all of it. Um, You know, there's some people who want to come in based purely on sort of the theory or looking out into the world and seeing how we can make sense of that whole clusterfuck. Um, Other people are coming, you know, at this with their own interior clusterfuck that they want to make sense of before they can even begin to understand what's going on out there. And again, this is the cool thing about integrals. We really do make space for all of this. Now to actually answer your question. How do you begin sort of making those transitions? Um, you know, the only, the, the best advice I, I can give people, well, I've got two pieces of advice, one from Ken Wilbur himself and one from another one of my favorite teachers, uh, Diane Musho Hamilton. Ken's advice is always start small like really small, like smaller than you think would even be um, worth doing. Dude, I downloaded
0: this meditation app uh, that I thought was starting small. And every morning at 830, my calendar without fail tells me, hey, go do do, go do that meditation app. And I don't do it. So I need to get even smaller than that. So let's see. That's great advice. Yep. Well, Ken, you know,
1: what Ken says is like, okay, so you need a commitment. The commitment is important here. So, but make that commitment as gentle as possible. So Ken will say, start literally with one minute a day, just scrape out one single minute to just sit and rest and to look at your own mind. Once you feel like you're doing that, right. Once you feel like, okay, one minute, that's been easy. I've been, you know, I I can knock that out of the park, expand it to two minutes, expand it to three, expand it to four, just keep, gently pushing it forward. Now, some people might find, you know, if I sit longer than five minutes, I get restless and uh, I I find myself, it's harder to get much further than that. Um, In which case, Lama Surya Das's advice would be, that's fine. Instead of meditating, you know, feeling like you need to get to the point where you're sitting for an hour every day, have multiple sort of, you know, punctuated meditations throughout the day. So do a minute in the morning, do a minute in the Afternoon to a minute in the evening and see if that helps. And I think that the basic idea is once you begin to feel some of the benefits, it's like working out, no one wants to do it until they actually start feeling the benefits of it, right? But it takes a, a little bit of commitment and a little bit of patience, and a little bit of energy in order to begin feeling those benefits that naturally then make you want to work out more. This is my challenge i don't work out nearly (laughs) nearly (laughs) enough so i'm trying to take my own medicine here um but it's it's the the same is true with meditation um you don't want to commit to something too big because you'll just you know you'll you'll burn your own fuse what'll happen is you'll end up being disappointed with yourself because you couldn't keep your commitment that's going to make you resent the process altogether it's going to make you less likely to try again later no no no, no. strip it down man bring it down to just that single minute because who doesn't have a minute to spare and I think what we find is that the more you do that, the more you just kind of spontaneously find yourself doing it anyway. It's like, oh, I'm waiting at a tra- traffic light for the, you know, for the lights to change. Oh, I just realized I've been sort of looking at my mind for a minute. You know, that's, I think, the level of granularity that, you know, people need to to find in order to get into this stuff. The other piece is um, find a community, right? So one of the things that we're doing on IntegralLife.com is we've actually created a new platform. uh, If you can allow me to sort of hawk my wares. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, We have a new platform for something we call Integral Life Practice. And so what we're doing there is we're actually creating little live sessions where people can go and touch in with a group of people and do any number of practices together. And there's something about sitting with each other that both seems to strengthen the commitment for one, but also creates more rewarding and more enriching experiences for people. Um, It sort of feels like here's this little kind of hole in the universe where I can just sort of do my thing for, you know, however long the practice is, sometimes it's a half an hour. Um, And we do, you know, uh, multiple practices every day and they're all live and they're all guided by a practice teacher. Um, That's another way to do it. I mean, just to kind of put your toe in the water be like, Oh, I'm going to try this growing up practice, or I'm going to try this cleaning up practice just to see how it tastes. Right. Uh, If it tastes good, you'll probably be back for more. Um, If it tastes bad, bad, you'll try something else. Um, So that's, that's a resource that we try to make available to people.
0: We, uh, we, no, I ask all of my guests for like a bit of advice Um, and the, the find a community piece of advice is what every single person has said so far Um, for you it was an integral community for, you know, my agorist guests, which uh, for, for your own edification, agorism is sort of a more radical version of libertarianism. Um, It's, you know, find a community to engage in black market activity with um, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It's just, it's just nuts how that is the, that is the biggest piece of advice that everyone across, you know, all different realms are, are giving right now. Um, we are a bunch
1: it, of primates after all.
0: Yeah. It's super, I think it's super important. Um, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily be mean be tribal. It's just, you know, find a tribe and coexist with the other tribes too. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's yeah. important too. Pass. Yep. The nice thing about the integral tribe um, is that it is
1: uh sort of intrinsically a multi-perspectival tribe. You know, the problem that a lot of tribalism falls into is it becomes mono-perspectival, right? This is, <laughs> yeah. These are the views and the values of the of the tribe and don't you dare transgress. Integral is itself, I mean, it self-identifies as multi-perspectivalism, which means we invite any and all perspectives to play. Now, we might not you know, here's where the, the I think the, the challenge people run into, a lot of people come into the inner community expecting their perspective to be primary. And then they sort of, oh, wait, you're placing me. You're, you know, I like to say freeing by limiting, right? You're, okay, you're, you're not making me primary anymore. You're just saying I'm just one node among all these other nodes. And it's like, yes, that is multi-perspectivalism uh, in action right there. So yeah, finding community is always key uh, because we are just a bunch of apes. And, um, this is, you know, this has been our, our, our central survival strategy for, uh, geez,
0: how many millions of years now? Forever and ever as far yeah. back, as far back as we can go. Um, is there a lot of infighting in integral communities? Infighting? Yeah. Like arguing amongst each other. Oh, constant. Yeah. Yeah. that's totally um, relatable. Part,
1: <laughs> part of which I think is, um, you know, I always invite healthy dissonance. I, uh, you know, I myself, I find myself more attracted to having conversations with people who, um, you know, we might share some fundamental agreements on, but there might be some surface level disagreements. Like I would love to have a conversation with you about the insurrection, for example, and just us, you know, coming in good faith and saying, I've got a different perspective than you do. You know, can we find ways to kind of fit these together, right? Um, I love those kinds of conversations. Now, the thing of it is, is again, integral, this is one of our biggest challenges is that Integral is itself a post postmodern um, stage of development, right? And yet it is unfolding, uh, it is unfolding on these 100% postmodern platforms like Facebook. Mm, And the problem with these platforms is they are not conducive to integral. Um, you know, we call enfoldment to integral sort of uh, the the ability to really come together in a good faith and embodied way. Um, Social media is just terrible at this, right? I mean, that's why I'm glad I know you're going to release this as an audio, but I'm so glad I get to see you as I'm talking to you, because Mm. even this brings so much of that embodiment back into the conversation. I can, you know, if I say a joke, I can tell if it's just a total stinker, if you don't react, or, you know, if you laugh, it makes me feel good. And then that, you know, there's feedback loops when you have a conversation like this, when everything is just text only as it tends to be in social media, you lose all of that. You lose your good faith. And honestly, you lose your capacity to discern which people are more or less qualified, right. In order to, um, you know, present the perspective that they're that they're presenting. So there's a lot of people who self-identify as integral who still haven't necessarily done the work. Um, who we would say, you know, yeah, you're onto something, but you got some growing up to do. You got some waking up to do. You certainly got some cleaning up to do, right? And that's okay because this is an ongoing process. That's the thing we have to remember: is that integral is not a destination. It's something that we are doing, that we are engaging in every single day. Um, So I invite dissonance. Sometimes it gets a little bit raucous. Um, You know, I moderate these groups and I try to moderate them with a very, very light touch. I don't do a lot of banning people for stinking thinking or anything like that. Um, But I do ban people for just getting abusive. Uh, And that does happen sometimes because people, you know, get carried away with their, um, with their identities and with their sense of self. You know, another metaphor just to bring in here, um, because I get back to the wake up, grow, clean up, show up here, because I think it's it's helpful to to keep in mind when we see how different communities come together is that, um, you know, classically, often in spiritual circles, a lot of people come to integral, you know, do so from spiritual communities. And those spiritual communities often frame the relationship of like spirituality and ego as like naturally hostile to each other right? Like if you have an ego, you can't be spiritual. If you're spiritual, you can't have an ego. Integral kind of does this a little bit differently. So, you know, my shorthand here is that the process of growing up is actually the process of making your ego bigger and bigger at each stage. Ken Wilber, for example, has one of the biggest egos (laughs) of anyone you've ever met. And I don't mean, I I mean that in a hundred percent healthy way. He's got a big, beautiful ego right because alongside that that growing up process that makes your ego bigger and bigger the waking up process makes that ego more and more transparent you can see through it you tone down the opacity levels of your own ego which means you don't have to take yourself so goddamn seriously all the time that's what the waking up path offers to us cleaning up on the other hand is about taking you know, sort of all of this unseen stuff that's, you know, sort of behind you, behind your mind's eye, bringing it to the surface so that you can bring it into awareness. So now your big, beautiful ego is a big, beautiful, integrated ego that you can see through, right? It's got some translucency or transparency to it. And then the showing up is actually you using that ego in the world in order to produce you know, generative effects and to reduce suffering in people's lives. I mean, that's the real reason we're here, right? Is to reduce suffering however and whenever we can for whoever we can. And you need an ego in order to do that. You need a a self. You need this, you know, this sort of this operating system uh, in order to produce goodness and beauty and truth in the world. So that's why we have an ego. So integral says embrace your ego, but make it as big, as healthy as transparent as you possibly
0: can, so that it may be to the benefit of all beings. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, wh- well, I mean, I think that's a I think that's a great kind of place to close it out. Um, sure. And so I appreciate your time. Why don't you go ahead and you know plug your work? Uh, where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So uh, a few things. So. Um, uh, if you want to find out more about Integral itself, I totally invite you to go to integrallife.com. Uh, we actually have, we have a ton of free resources there. We're actually just about, this is a little bit exciting. We're about to release a, um, a brand new web course, which will be completely free to everybody, which um, is teaching sort of the, the the integral basics. And it includes, geez, last time I counted, it's something like 30 hours of free content in there. So just these endless rabbit holes that you can jump down in order to understand more uh, about the integral approach. Um, That's something that we're going to be releasing very, very soon on integrallife.com. I invite everyone who's listening to this right now to check that out. Again, it's totally free. There's no obnoxious infomercials in there or anything like that. Um, If you go to integrallife.com, you'll also find our practice platform. Uh, You can take a look at that. Um, And then, you know, the other thing I just want to mention is uh, I'm also a woodworker. Uh, and I uh, run a business called Vision Logics Woodworks, um, where I make all sorts of things for, for people. Um, so I make a lot of like integral iconography. Um, I do enneagram designs, for example, which was uh, something that maybe maybe we'll talk about next time we get together. Um, so that's that's something I'm working on right now. Uh, you can actually find out more about that on my Vision Logics Woodworks Facebook page. Uh, so you can just you know Google Vision Logics with an X.
0: I'll probably bring it to my woodworks page and I would love for everyone to check out my art. I will make sure to link to both of those things as well. Um, I really appreciate your time today, Corey. And I do look forward to chatting again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks again to Corey for joining me today. I know this is jam-packed with information, so I'll make sure to put helpful links in the show notes to articles and books and things like that that you can read, podcasts you can listen to, um, for more information on integral theory. Like I said, I am just now learning this, so I really appreciate any dialogue that you would like to start as well. Um, Feel free to message me in private on Twitter or email me uh, via the Substack messages that you get. Speaking of Substack, please make sure that you're subscribed there. That is the best place to get... Get this podcast along with any written content that i publish um but you know wherever you get the podcast just uh hit that subscribe button make sure you're leaving ratings and reviews thumbs up that sort of thing and i appreciate you once again for listening and until the next episode live free